This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by... Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise, where you will find all of your beer, wine, fermented food, and cider making needs. If you go in there and you mention our podcast, that is the Blue Hawaii Podcast, you get 10% off all starter kits and recipes. Homebrew in Paradise. At 740 Moova Street, Kalihi Kayao. Paradise. Brew. Home. Blue Hawaii. One day, one day, one day, World Whoa. Cup did. That was very bad. That was very funny. Uh, 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 you don't listen to us for the tunes, though. Well, sometimes. Okay. Well, we I, used to do a lot of song parodies. We've kind of gotten away from that. One day. We'll come back. Oh, one day. One day it'll all turn around. Let's do a quick... <laughs> I know someday. Uh, let's let's do a quick World Cup date, listeners. This episode is coming out after the final on Sunday, July 14th. That's right. Uh, however, we're recording this right now on... Oh, I'm sorry. It'll you be said Sunday. The, Sunday. It'd be Sunday the 15th. It'll be Sunday the 15th. Yeah. Correct. We're recording this right now on Friday the 13th. Ooh, spooky. So uh, it won't be live in time for the final. Uh, we'll give you a prediction. But first, a little bit about how we got to this point right now. France is going to play Croatia. Uh, England, almost there. We thought it was coming home. But it wasn't. It was not. Why is England home for you? Home for me? You said we thought it was coming home. We we thought it. We well, I had them in. I had them in the pool. Oh, okay. I th- yeah. <laughs> so, but like you became a Liverpool fan, and all of a sudden England's your team. I mean, so the football coming home is a reference to a song in 1996, which was uh, where they were the host of Euro '96 that year. It was the okay. 30th anniversary of their World Cup win, and the theme song was "Football's Coming Home." Oh, okay. And it just sort of exploded from there. Oh. But anyway, um, the Croatian national team. Is will be with uh, their star, one of their star defenders. After Croatia defeated Russia in the World Cup quarterfinal, uh, Croatian defender Domagoj Vida celebrated in the locker room, exclaiming uh, uh, Slava Ukraini, which translates roughly to glory to Ukraine. Uh, he plays, excuse me, he once played for Dinamo Kiev in the Ukrainian Football League. Uh, However, if you don't, if you haven't noticed, the World Cup is being hosted in Russia. Uh, a man named Vladimir Putin is featured very prominently, and so Vita's gone missing, and no one knows where yeah, he is. Yeah. So if the uh, if if by Sunday morning uh, the Croatian bus doesn't turn up, or everybody is sick in the hotel room with polonium poisoning, you know what happened. Um, the last World Cup date we left you at, Sweden and Germany were tied. I think this is a long time ago in the group stages. That's right. Uh, it ended up being Germany's worst performance in Russia since the Battle of Stalingrad. Yo, so they too are, soon, too <laughs> soon. Too soon. They're nowhere close to the final. Uh, that said, uh, neither here nor there. My prediction for Sunday, drumroll please, France against Croatia. We have no idea, well, no way to verify this uh, or validate this. Listeners, uh, it'll be Wednesday morning when this drops. You can laugh at how wrong I was. I am going... France 2, Croatia 1. That's what I was going to say. I got France 2-1. I saw this thing on uh, 538, uh, which is Nate Silver's blog, 538.com. Check it out. It's a great, great, great website. Never heard of it. Never heard of Nate Silver. He, uh, they did uh, like an analysis of how the French bench is worth more than almost every other country's starters or maybe their entire team. I think they're, the French bench is worth more than every other country's entire team. The f- by fr- the French bench, also known as the French. The French. Yeah. 
That's one pricey Finch. So, listeners, let us know if we're right or if we're wrong. And Josh, any other news? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Handsome, international superstar himself. Oh, Cristiano that's Ronaldo. kind of you to... Oh. The, uh, I like to call him the Ryan Little of Portugal. That's what most people call him. He will be uh, leaving Real Madrid in the Spanish League and moving to Italian giants Juventus. So that'll be an interesting year. That's a pretty up. monumental monumental uh, move there. And then I saw that he was transferred or he transferred for the same amount of money that he was purchased from uh, Man U, yeah. which is pretty insane to think that they're saying, what, 10 years later, you're worth the same amount of money. And you haven't gone down at all. He, yeah, he 100 percent uh, is worth every penny. You know, three if, Champions if Leagues. If not in a row. even yeah. in terms of play, in terms of PR. Yeah, I mean, he puts butts Just in seats. The amount, the number of shirts that Juventus is going to sell with his name on it will oh, pay sure. for that transfer itself in a year. Yeah, if that. Yeah. Um, that said, I think that's all I've got for soccer news. Um. There's Belgium and England are playing again in the third place game, but nobody cares about that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Let's do the drop. Let's do the drop. Yeah. We often hear Holly meaning white person in a negative connotation, but as a perfectly good word, it means foreign introduced to a foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is Haole. I'm Leilani Poli Ahu. Ahui ho. Haole. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Ryan Little. Are you? I'm Josh Michaels. I'm Ryan Little. We got a great show for you today. We are talking to two fantastic women who are advocating, agitating, out there making change, building a better life for Hawaii's workers in the hotel and hospitality industry. But first... Let's do a quick little news. So, uh, in global news, President Donald Trump is continuing to bumble his way through Europe. Yay. He, uh, are we still in NATO as of today? <laughs> as of today, I think that we are. Jesus. However, you know, never you never know what happens over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump went on a uh, completely, you know, outsider, ruffle some feathers type uh renegade approach to insulting all of our allies to their faces Smart. and uh, insulting the heads of state in particular. Uh, so I like he's not afraid to say what he thinks. He's not afraid to be politically incorrect. He's a well, on top he's of being a politician. politically incorrect, he was just generally incorrect, throwing yeah. out all sorts of uh, facts and figures that are based in nothing resembling reality. So he's scheduled to meet Putin on Monday, right? That is indeed correct. And he's and scheduled to meet today? them what happened one today on that one. Make that, that might make that a little uh, awkward. Well, you mean the 12 new indictments in the Mueller probe? You mean the fake news witch hunt? The fake news witch hunt that found 12 specific Russian intelligence officers, named them in the indictment, and then uh, had such a specific level of detail as to show not only the dates and times that they were doing all of their illicit activity, but actually found their Google search terms as they were looking to perfect their English for fake news and uh, and like fake Facebook profiles. Literally found the terms they searched for to make sure that they were relatively but, comprehensible in English. But Ryan, the House Republican committees keep telling me that this is just a partisan witch hunt. It's uh, And also, by the way, when are we going to learn the truth about what really happened in Benghazi? You know, speaking of that, Hannity, 
while the other major networks were covering the Mueller indictments, yeah. uh, Hannity ran that same story with a giant graphic saying Clinton server scandal as if <sighs> it was somehow her fault that Russia hacked the United States on behalf of her political opponent. So, as usual, national news is idiotic. What about local news? Well, in local news, uh, a lady named Catherine K. Aloha, who's been out of the news entirely in her entire life, and we've never heard of before, former uh, deputy prosecutor. Oh, Kathy, Auntie Kathy, what'd you do? She was found to have had a uh, boyfriend <gasps> on the Big Island. A boyfriend who was not chief of police, her husband, Louis Kaloha. That is indeed correct. Oh. Kathy had a gentleman by the name of Jesse Ebersol, a paramour, if you will. Secret love. And she funded her illicit affair are. with up to $25,000 of money, uh, much of it stolen from her own grandmother. So next thing I know, you're going to tell me that uh, Kaloha and her new boyfriend somehow conspired to hide the details of their relationship from the prosecutors and from the court. I've oh my god news. yeah that's what she did that's exactly surely what not did. nope she did it and uh, so this week uh mr ebersall uh accepted a guilty plea and will be sentenced sometimes later next year as he cooperates with the federal probe uh ongoing into the massive corruption regarding uh miss kaloha her husband and probably could take a deeper look at the prosecutor's office and hpd generally oh my gosh well um any good news coming out of hawaii no <laughs> continuing on uh poly lanes the beloved institution and one of only two bowling establishments on the island of oahu that are not accessible to or excuse me that are accessible to non-military that's true yeah there are some on the military bases but the only two civilian bowling establishments uh, Polly Lanes is actually slated to close now no. because Alexander Baldwin, the National Real Estate Investment Trust that is uh, got gobs of money and resources, decided that they'd like to turn that land into a park. Now, uh, a couple of things you should know about developers. They like to lie. Sure. And the second thing is they don't give up about your park. There is no incentive for them to build a park because parks don't pay rent. Yeah. Tenants do. Yeah. So... Anything that says that we're going to build this, uh, we're going to turn this into a park out of the goodness of our heart should immediately be distrusted. And so that's exactly what they're saying. I guess Alexander and Baldwin decided that uh, the sugarcane industry wasn't uh, malicious enough. So now they're getting into real estate. <laughs> you know, real estate can be used to do a lot of good things. In this case, I'm just not sure that it will. So uh, the net effect is, you know, if polylanes closes 27 people lose a job uh seniors who are the ones disproportionately affected by this because seniors freaking love bowling are gonna have to drive up to 30 to 40 miles which doesn't sound like a lot to our mainland listeners but in hawaii that's about two hours each way probably yeah. uh to go get uh their fix their bowling fix to, to join their league to see their friends to continue recreating with each other um you can, know that polylanes our- also it caters to a lot of like really wonderful events. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, um, the Special Olympics kids are there. Oh, so they they're like, gonna take it away from the, they're taking away bowling from the kids. Look, man, I, psh, 
Well, on top of, you know, the numerous school bowling programs, churches, clubs, nonprofits, and all the leagues that are at Poly Lanes, including the youth program itself called Poly Youth Junior Bowlers. Oh, man. So uh, I think right now there is a campaign to save Poly Lanes. I think there's probably a hashtag out there somewhere. Yeah. If, and our, if you Google it, you'll probably find something on that as well. If our East Side listeners uh, want to get involved, what can they do? How did we find out about, how did you find out about this? Yeah, so we were reached out to by a listener by the name of Christian Arakawa. Shout out Christian. Shout out Christian. Uh, if you want to get in contact with him, it's savepolylanes at gmail.com. Awesome. Now, on to potentially the most egregious local news. Uh-oh. Governor Ige, Uh-oh. a gentleman who is running for re-election and ostensibly needs to do things that are popular, uh let a very popular initiative uh, veto via pocket veto, which basically means he didn't outright reject it. He just didn't sign it. So uh, Mr. Ige vetoed Senate Bill 2407, which would have allowed Hawaii patients to use medical marijuana to treat opioid addiction. Uh, There are 191 drug-related deaths per year in Hawaii and almost 500,000. That is basically one of every two people uh, in this state that have an opioid prescription. So there are 500,000 active opioid prescriptions in the state of Hawaii. And we somehow thought that, you know, marijuana, the devil's lettuce, should yeah. not be used to help people get off of Well, I think, I think that makes narcotics. sense because when you look, at, you look at what's going on in the mainland, you see all over uh, Ohio, West Virginia, Kentucky, all these kids smoking marijuana and dying. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, no. It's back. I got it backwards. The other thing. Um, oh, Governor Egan. Well, thankfully. Did, some... I, did I tell you that when I was in Alabama yeah. recently, I saw a woman who was passed out on her own stairs from heroin? Oh, Lord. She, it was like a two-story, uh, like, apartment. It was like uh, the bottom floor was one unit. It was like a house that, you know, they turned yeah. into a two-story. And so she was on the steps that were exterior going up to the second floor. That was obviously her primary entrance. And she was literally shot up laying on the steps and was completely passed out. Like I actually called the cops. I thought she was going to OD and you're telling me that woman who is a, a daughter, potentially a girlfriend, potentially a wife, potentially a mom, also a human, generally a human is now denied the opportunity to use, uh, in Hawaii, if she were here, would be denied the opportunity to use marijuana to get off opioids like no that's that's the wrong thing to do i think that's it for all our local and national news thankfully thank god um coming up next we're gonna have a great sit down chat with paula rodellis and sarah ramos from local five talking about their upcoming contract negotiations and some of the stuff they're working on to improve workers rights in hawaii we're looking forward to it um and we'll see you after the break blue hawaii podcast blue hawaii blue hawaii Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. We are honored to be joined in the basement tonight by two women who are fighting for Hawaii's workers to have a better life. Paula Rodellas is a communications specialist for Unite Here Local 5, which represents 11,000 workers throughout Hawaii who work in the hospitality, healthcare, and food service industries. And she's brought with her Sarah Ramos, who works as a housekeeper at the Waikiki Beach Marriott. Sarah and Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. uh, Would you mind, first of all, telling our audience a little bit about yourselves and how you first got involved with labor movement? Sure, I could start. So, um, yeah, I, oh, where do I begin? Um, 
like you had said, I, I'm a communication specialist for the union, but I do the community organizing for Local 5 as well. Um, I started at Local 5 about five years ago, and um, I'm going to try to keep this short. Nope. <laughs> but <laughs> we, The floor is yours. Okay. Um, you know, I grew up in San Diego. I was born in the Philippines, but my family immigrated to the States when um, I was two. So I grew up in the U.S. most of my life. Um, San Diego is a very conservative, pro-business town. So I knew nothing about unions. I didn't know anyone who was a union member. Um, my dad was in the military. My mom worked um, part-time jobs throughout her life, um, mostly at 7-Eleven or other gas stations. And so um, growing up, I didn't know anything about unions and then when i went to college i was an ethnic studies and art history major were you at a school oh i went to uc san diego okay yes Solid. so um, but the aztecs no oh, that's san diego state, state. Oh, i'm sorry you said uc san diego, <laughs> UC san diego home of the triton the triton the triton yes. okay how could i forget the mighty yes. mighty tritons oh god we're also known as uc socially dead we have no real sports teams or oh, that's not scene. good um and people well, we went to mis- uh and our sports teams aren't much to sneeze at either unfortunately <laughs> we don't have a football team so we barely well, one, do. one of us went there for undergrad the other is just clumbing on and Hey man, I spent way more money at UH than I did Auburn. So anyway, uh, back to UCSD. You meant you mentioned you majored in ethnic studies and yes, in art history. Okay. So um, so exa- I rece- two very recession-proof majors as a as a history <laughs> and political science major himself can attest. Like you're set up for success, right? Well, I mean, when you mentioned uh, now that you mention it, I graduated in 2010 um, with the intent of going into academia. I really wanted to be a professor, go into teaching, and so I was set to graduate in 2010 i was already applying to phd programs i actually got into uh's um, american studies phd program and um so i was i I wanted to go but um two big things happened one was um uh was offering no financial aid that's not surprising Uh, unfortunately they were the uh, the ethnic studies department tried to offer me like a 200 hundred dollar scholarship you know like better than nothing like one book why are you so ungrateful (laughs) you could pay for half of your parking fee for the year or something yeah (laughs) so they offer no financial aid and so that was i i i couldn't go and um two my parents um got their house foreclosed oh wow Um, they were just one of like nearly our entire neighborhood got foreclosed um they had bought a house um you know right at the peak of the just the housing bubble um they were just one of many working families that bought one of these like new cookie cutter homes Mm -hmm. in chula vista and so my parents had lost their house and so i decided you know i need to go to the workforce um just skip this phd program for now maybe i'll come back one day and graduated in 2010 in the midst of this recession and i couldn't find work yeah um i had a college degree (laughs) yeah with the majors that i had um but even people i knew who were engineering majors Mm -hmm. and um major other things just couldn't find jobs and so i was stuck in um mostly for like almost two years all i could find were like part-time minimum wage jobs in retail and food service and so here I was thinking I was going to graduate from college and be able to help out my parents when I couldn't even help myself. Like I was barely making ends meet. I was living paycheck to paycheck, borrowing money from my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. So that worked out. But um, it was just not a nice situation to be in. Um, So um, I finally found myself Anyway, I I met at a, um, I had I ran into an acquaintance who was working at a public relations firm, and I knew nothing about what PR, or public relations, communications was. But she said their firm offered an unpaid internship, and she said, "Do you want it?" 
and I was desperate. And so I took it while still holding on to a bunch of these part-time minimum wage jobs. Um, after a month of that, it turned to um, part-time paid work, which then turned into full-time paid work. Um, what I didn't know was that company was um, working on a lot of these anti-union campaigns. So this is my first time finding out what our unions really are. And it was working on anti-union what a, what busting campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, like one of the campaigns I had to work on was, um, our company was hired to bust the teachers union of my old high school district. That's awkward. (laughs) What was the, so what was your, you know, as a, as a communications person, what did that campaign look like? It looked like it was like, (laughs) as I mean, yeah, I'm this entry level person, right? So they would have me do things like I would have to go to like internet cafes and create fake accounts to write comment negative comments on like news sites and like social media companies about would the never do that union. though would they that's, <laughs> the cap- free market will take care of unions if they're not supposed <laughs> to be there capitalism only rewards ethical behavior yeah <laughs> if, I, that's if my understanding unethical behavior exists and we'll just go somewhere else yeah. right <laughs> well yeah so apparently these companies um we were we were hired so the school board hired a law firm that then hired us as all well, several several pr firms to do this kind of work Ugh. um but I guess the silver lining in all this is what I saw was the teachers union really fought back against this anti-union behavior. Um, they organized themselves and then they organized, um, actually they organized the media. Um, they found an investigative reporter who was my age. She was very young and she won awards for breaking this story, but That's she ended cool. up, um, Okay, long story short, like this school board, all but one of the school board members was found guilty of taking bribes from the construction companies because there were all these like development projects happening in the school district. Developers behaving unethically, certainly not. Well, that's capitalism would not allow that. This is maybe maybe in like a socialist country. Yeah, sort of. That does not happen in our free market American system. So so anyway, you're uh, like many people in our generation. It sounds like you're right in the middle of the shit in the recession Mm -hmm. and you're realizing all the promises we've been told were based on nothing. Right. So where did you go That's exactly it. And then now you're also having to work for the literal machine. Right. You're you're working like as a cog, busting workers' rights. Um, And I think the most messed up thing about it was like they were paying me crap. Of course. So yeah, well, what kind of stuff (laughs) were they having you do for for crap money? I mean, you you mentioned the internet cafes. Like what else were you doing? It was just stuff like that. And then I really, I mean, I really just saw the inner workings of just like how these corporations, these developers, like... And our firm is just like, um, I mean, it it was a really small firm. I could only imagine what it's like in these kind of bigger kind of PR machines, right? My um, boss at the time was like a really prominent member of the Republican Party. Um, So what? (laughs) They wouldn't do that. (laughs) They have people's best interests at heart. They're the party of freedom and limited government. Yeah, they would never. Okay, so your boss is a republican union buster yeah pretty much so what else what did they have you like what was the kind of like what's the worst thing they made you do i think you know honestly i think it was just the internet cafes thing story that just stood out to me so much because um you know whenever i tell the people those stories like people are always just like oh i've always wondered where these comments are coming from and then it's especially funny now and like how many years later it's 2018 and we have all these stories about the russian bots and trump right and it's you were like, on the no. cutting edge you were the original russian <laughs> i was a, the original russian bot so like what did you have to workshop your negative reviews of the unions like did you have to pass it around and people are like 
you know, you say unions are awful. Mate, let's try to use the word terrible. We think that's going to focus group better. <laughs> or was it like, no, you have free reign. I had free reign. Be as yeah. creative as you want. Yeah, I was. Yeah. They What's just the much... worst review that you left of a union? <laughs> I think I was really just, I mean, again, I was so new. So I think I was just really recycling a lot of the same stuff yeah. that, you know, the same rhetoric of just like, oh, unions are corrupt. The teachers, you know, know what they're talking about, blah, blah, blah. They're um, all they care about is the dues money. Just the same kind of those damn workers wanting selfish workers wanting really to eat. greedy. Yeah. Greedy yeah. teachers, that kind Super of thing. Super greedy. They only work for we were Josh and I were at a mm -hmm. coffee hour recently for mm -hmm. a political candidate. Um, and there was a gentleman there who was a uh, very obvious anti-union uh, citizen. Mm -hmm. And he, somebody said, what do, you, what do teachers make? And somebody goes, they make like starting out like 55 a year. And he goes, sounds pretty good for eight months of work. And I, I, I had to get up and walk away before I uh... hit this man. <laughs> yeah. But so anyway, we're, we're getting enough. We're getting yeah. a little off track. No, so, so how did you come? How did anyway, you come up to, the, to the light side, the pro yeah, union, well, pro worker I mean, side? I realized. So then, yeah, these school board members all were found guilty of taking bribes in construction companies, and they're ridiculous bribes too. Is stuff like. Um, developer paid for like a school board members like a thousand dollar dumbledore costume oh lord that actually is dope that's the dopest <laughs> bribe i've ever heard i don't think you should actually be able to be prosecuted for that but let's hear some other ones um, good no, but i mean it made me realize like look like i mean it was soul-sucking work as it was and then yeah. this all happened i was like okay i'm clearly on the wrong side um i got to see like that's the power of the teachers union being able to fight back from literally millions of dollars were spent trying to bust this union um i realized i was on the wrong side um when I decided I wanted to move to Hawaii, I looked for job postings. I saw one at Local 5. And um, again, still not really knowing much about unions other than just this work. And um, decided, like, yeah, I actually want to be on the right side of things. Um, take this experience that I had at this company and use it for good to fight with working people, working families like myself. Um, it's just aligned a lot with my own interest. Um not just like on this theoretical level, but you know, I come from an immigrant mm -hmm. working family and um, this is who I want to be fighting with, not, or fighting alongside, not um, with these corporations and developers. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I, uh, my name is Sarah Jocelyn Geramos. I came from Philippines. I born and raised in there. Mm -hmm in Sarat Ilocos Norte, Philippines. I oh. came here in Hawaii, 1983. Okay. Oh, that was fun, I bet. Yes. That was a good time to live in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. mm. Then that time, I my husband bring me over here as a Payansi visa, and then we have three kids in my first marriage. But my first marriage is not uh, good, so. Oh. Then Sorry. I only the one to raise my kids three kids and then that time Lucky Thing and my sisters they we live together mm -hmm. so it's tough for a single mom especially yeah. in Hawaii and then that time I worked two jobs yeah what were you doing uh, I applied in Miramar Hotel that's a non-union hotel and then because uh, we need a medical that's why mm -hmm. I find another work I work a 7-Eleven store my partner okay. job that's why so I can pay the medical for my kids yeah so how many hours? So Seven Eleven and a non-union hotel. Yes. How many hours a week were you working? Um, forty hours in the hotel, and then twenty-five hours in the wow. 
How long did you do that for? About seven years. So you did that until what year? On um, 1988 to 2002. Oh, wow. Because mm. my kid was small. Mm. And then that time, I got a lot of hardship to... Yeah raise my kids that time that's why when i was working in the hotel if difference the hotel without union and without with the union yeah did, so when did you move to the marriott uh when my son already graduated to the high school because i cannot uh cannot live at the miramar because my son Need my long of, of employer, so mm. gonna apply for the student loan. Mm. Oh, when okay. already enter my son in the school to going to college, then already quit to Miramar, and then I apply to Waikiki Beach Marriott that we, we have a union. And uh, when did you get involved with the union? When did you start? Uh, when did you realize the union is something you want to be active with? Uh, since when I started on. 2015 that, and then that 2000 I'm sorry 2005 oh, 2005 because I started working at the Marriott 2002 mm. and okay. so can you describe what life was like before being with the union and after being with the union uh, when I started in the without the union it's a hard yeah. because Why? If the our workload, then without union we have eighteen to twenty rooms. That's a lot of rooms. Yes. How long does it take to clean one room? Mm, it depends sometimes because especially the checkout. Mm-hmm. If it's too messy, forty-five to one hour. So if it could be twelve to eighteen hours of cleaning. Uh, sometimes if you get the just check in, you do check out. Yesterday and then today is a service. Then that's the time you balance your hours. Mm. And so then whenever you went to... So, oh, sorry. We talked about... You're talking about workload. What else was worse before the union? Uh, the medical. The no, medical. No medical if you don't yeah. have a union. Uh, we pay. You pay yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was the, was the salary good? No. No. <laughs> Very honest. Yes. <laughs> and so then what tell what changed whenever you became a member of the union? A uh, lot of changes because of the workload. We get uh, more little be, more, more little than rooms because right now we have the 15 rooms. But for me right now, I stay in the suite room. That's why in my one room is at three, three equivalent in the what, one room. That's oh, why so I have only less 12 rooms right now. Okay. So more more easier for me right now. Yeah, good. And then I'm not paying medical anymore. And then I'm more secured. Yeah, that's good. How, yes. how does uh, before union and after union, how about the relationship between the workers and the, the hotel? How does it change? Mm. Or your work, how you, your, the management treats you? It's different than non-union. Because if I uh, see you doing any, you don't do anything at, while you're working, mm-hmm. they have to call you. <laughs> you really? have to do something. But if you stay in the Union Hotel, if you already do the quota, you don't have any problem. Hmm. And so what has it meant for your life 
since you joined the union at the Marriott? Mm, for me, it's now is I uh, it's more secure now. I'm more happy now. Yeah, <laughs> better hours. Better yeah. hours and more pay, and more better benefits for my retirement. It's because it's very hard. That's hard work. Yeah. So I I worked for uh, I worked for a uh, developer of hotels, and um, I saw how hard the the cleaning staff worked and it was they got there very early every morning they yes. would have a, a yes. their first meeting would be at probably seven forty-five in the morning and yes. then they would have another meeting at five o'clock and everybody worked the entire time maybe they got a break i mean it was they worked so so hard yes yeah yeah especially if we have a restroom Sometimes we don't eat yeah. <laughs> to do the to finish our job. Yeah, a lot of uh, Marriott, right? Yeah, especially even spe- even in a union hotel. Even sometimes. the union hotel. Yeah. So some of my coworkers they don't eat. Really? Yes, because, because it's like, too much they, work. Sometimes because some of them they're scared that they cannot finish their work. Oh, uh, so how did how did you two meet? Oh, <laughs> recently actually, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, this is a big year for our union for Local 5 because um, nearly all of our union contracts expire this year. Oh, wow. um, most of them expired on June 30th, actually. So that was just a few weeks ago. Oh. Um, we were, Like you said, we represent 11,000 workers and um, 10,000 of them have contracts expiring this year. Um, out of that 10,000, it's about 7,600 hotel workers. Okay. And most of them are employed by Marriott now. So Marriott um, is the biggest hotel company in the world because they merged with Starwood about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Say goodbye to all your points benefits. <laughs> Actually, I mean, yeah, that's... Um, I that's, found that <laughs> out the hard way. They, yeah, yeah, they're, I guess that they're officially rolling over on August 1st. I was just talking to And they're like kind of worthless too. And I yeah. mean, when I looked at the conversion, it is not favorable uh, to me. I'm sorry yeah. about that's that. The real, that's the real concern here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is a concern. How does this affect the guests? Yeah. Ultimately. <laughs> no, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the things that impact the workers definitely affect the guests sure. too. So with, um, you know, Marriott, for here at Local 5, we yeah. went from, because of the merger, we went from having two Marriott hotels to eight Marriott hotels. Wow. And so they're by far the largest employer that we're dealing with. So um, I met Sarah because um, Sarah, um, now that her con- her union contract's expired, she's decided to step up and, you know, yes. really kind of do I something about her contract. I was yeah. just asking her, actually, like, Powers you know. the people. I love it. Excellent. <laughs> I was just asking her, like, why, um, you know, why is this union, this co- un- contract negotiations, like, so important to her? And you shared with me. Like you know, why 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 is the contract so important to you this year? Uh, it's it's important to me because uh, I'm getting old now. I want to secure my future about my retirements, about the medical. Because yeah. if you don't have any medical, if you're getting old, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, <laughs> right? Yeah. You need the certainty. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're calling. Um. I mean, we've been calling our campaign this year. One job should be enough because um because that. it should because it, yeah. it should be enough yeah. <laughs> exactly it's as simple as that um and it's a message that resonates not just here in hawaii where people wor- like like sarah work more than one job but in a lot of our other cities where we have unite here locals where you know hotels are a big industry we've 
been finding that yeah people have to work more than one job or if you're fortunate enough to have one job um staffing's getting cut in yes. these workplaces mm-hmm. where it's like you're really doing the work of like three to four people mm-hmm. like work that Wait. used to be done by one person yeah. right what sort of uh dynamics are at play in regards to contract negotiation like how I mean, it seems like it'd be a very complex issue. Like, what are all the considerations that are going into everything? Yeah, and, you know, Sarah, you can add to this, but um, we're, we're at a point right now where, like, look, like, we're negotiating with, um, like I said, the largest and the richest hotel company A lot of shareholders the around the world. A lot of, yeah. Exactly. And Line trusts, um, investments, REITs. And then we're here in Hawaii where the hotel industry is booming. I mean, yeah. it's record um, visitor spending, record visitor yes. stays, um, room rates, like every metric you can think of to measure the industry. Um yeah it's at record highs right now and so um what we're really you know like what our members feel really strong about it's like yeah the wages and the benefits are important Mm -hmm. but the job security is even more important because we can get we can negotiate really good wage and benefits increases but if your job is going to be lost because they're cutting staffing for a number of reasons, yes. um, like automation technology mm-hmm. is like one kind of big concern that we have in this industry. For everybody too. Yeah. I mean, and not just your industry. But exactly. Yeah. Um, then it doesn't make any sense to be the highest paid unemployed worker. Yeah. Right. We got to get some good language in these negotiations about the job security. Um, how if at all and if this question is out of bounds i'm just i'm asking it out of ignorance what are there like any like cultural ethnic dynamics at play here because one thing that i noticed when i worked for a developer is that uh almost all of the cleaning staff housekeeping staff was filipino uh (laughs) and primarily filipina primarily filipino women yes um how does that play into contract negotiations how does that play into um, how the hotel treats this issue and how the union approaches it. Well, um, yes, yeah, Sarah <laughs> is a good example and of that. Both of you, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for our listeners, both of you are Filipina as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes, ethnicity definitely plays in. Um, and it's not, you know, um, you know, here in Hawaii, right, we have this like plantation history mm-hmm. where, um, it was just very explicit that these plantation owners were recruiting from all different co- countries, right? This immigrant labor. And then when they got here, there was a hierarchy oh, yeah. of just, you know, like, there still is divide and, and rule. Yeah. Classic yeah. divide and rule 101, right? Yes. Put them against each other. Then Keep that, the low. We see that still play out in the hotels today. I mean, here in Hawaii, most of the workers, most of the housekeeping staff are from the Philippines. Yes. Um, but We've seen hotels, um, you know, there's also workers from China, um, Korea, Korea, um, and then now we're seeing more and more Kofa Mm -hmm. citizens, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Malaysia. Oh yeah. It's a Micronesian. Yeah. And we see that the boss will use, even to this day, they'll use race to try to divide the workers. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but, um, about the workers so about how the different uh, ethnicities and yeah sometimes it's hard to talk to them sometimes yeah yeah 
we um i'm not gonna say which hotel company but um there's there only are, a few <laughs> but there i mean there I've, I've seen hotels that will purposely hire um non-filipino workers because they know that our as local five our experience is organizing filipino mm. workers whatever it takes they, to like make it as hard as possible exactly wow. and yeah as i understand it uh from the hotel side of things the reason a lot of times they're scared of that is because uh culturally filipino people stick together like they're very like they understand solidarity they're very loyal like they is that's what i've always been told and that was what i experienced when i was working in a hotel driven industry as well was that if you culturally have that idea that like we are going to stand up to the power then they're not going to back down until they're dead basically well here's something i've i mean because unite here we were in all these different cities most of like pretty much the major cities in the united states um and demographically every city is different and what i found is just that in every place like the boss will just try to use race to divide workers as much as possible um but then it's like interesting because they use like the same kind of stereotypical tropes of like oh these workers are loyal but in every city it's just different Mm -hmm. so for example like here it's mostly filipinos in the housekeeping department if you were to go in los angeles it's going to be mostly latino workers in housekeeping if you go to san francisco it's mostly chinese workers and um you go to new york it's going to be mostly like dominicans and haitians and Miami, it's going to be Cubans and Haitians, right? It's 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 so different in every city, but the tropes, the same yeah. tropes are there. It's the same plantation stereotype. Usually, like right. you're you're not going to turn on me, are you? Like right. I can count on you, can't I? Usually, uh, upper middle class white people taking advantage of poor women of color. Exactly. Pretty much everywhere we go. Yeah. And that's the same constant, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and regardless, it's it's in each, no matter which city, it's gonna it's still mostly immigrants. Yeah. It's just going to be whatever immigrant poor, yeah, group absolutely. is in that city. So how are the negotiations going so far to renegotiate the contract? How's it going? I mean, um, yeah, Sarah's been in the negotiations uh, too, she can say. Right now, uh, we're ready to fight. Oh, yeah? Yes. Ready to fight? Mm-hmm. Okay. What does that mean? Strike? No. Uh, we're, I mean, I think we're just ready to do whatever it takes. We're yeah. in the b- very beginning of negotiations, okay. right? Like, we only expired on June 30th. Um, we've had one negotiation so far. We have another next week. Yeah. Yes. And um, so it's still very early. Um, so I think... I mean, I can't speak. I don't want to speak for all of our workers, but I think we're willing to do whatever it's going to take. We don't know what that is yet, but does Local Five ever strike? Yes, we do. When was the last <laughs> time there was a strike initiated um, by Local Five? We we also represent healthcare workers. So the other I, industry upon which uh, in Hawaii, Filip- uh, Filipinas bear the brunt of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was told when I moved to Hawaii. Uh, Somebody said when Filipino people move here, they're either housekeepers or they're nurses. And it's funny because that is, I mean, not obviously true in every case, but that's kind of what you guys are representing, right? Yep, pretty much. Um, yeah, and it, <laughs> this, there's truth to that stereotype. I mean, my own family. Yeah. Um, San Diego's a little, different, a little different where the stereotypes, like if you're Filipino, you're either in the military Oh, in yep. the navy that's, or yeah. your nurse well everybody um, in san diego i feel like is in the navy at some point <laughs> yeah that's true too that's <laughs> you live there you're probably in the navy you don't even remember it <laughs> yeah so um like my dad was in the navy for 20 years but um and then my whole family are nurses but anyway yeah so we represent healthcare workers we represent around 2000 kaiser permanente workers we represent 
pretty much everyone but the doctors and the registered nurses okay. so medical assistants um certified nursing assistants receptionists janitors okay they went on strike back in 2015 for six days oh wow yeah how and, long did it take and i assume the hospital caved after six days um no unfortunately you know kaiser as a non-profit you know quote-unquote non-profit um healthcare facility um they are a very wealthy um healthcare network and so um it was a really tough fight. Um, it took three years for our members there to get their contracts. And the big sticking point, what management refused to budge on um, for a long time was they, they wanted to get rid of the workers' pensions. Oh, God. Yeah. And, but after three years, I mean, included a strike as well as a number of different like worker actions, um, the company did cave and the workers got to keep their pensions. That's, I mean, you know, Two weeks ago, we had a ruling come down from the Supreme Court called Janus, which uh, essentially uh, criminalizes uh, public sector unions. And it's very intentional what it was trying to do. Yeah. And Josh and I were pretty upset about it, um, especially because his mom's a member of a public sector union or was a member yeah, of a public sector union. Um, and in a lot of ways, it can feel very discouraging and it is discouraging that we have a supreme court implicitly and explicitly um saying that workers don't deserve to unionize yeah. but as josh and i were talking it kind of dawned on me that the collective power of unions was always in the ability to strike it was in the ability to just shut everything down and say you either come to the table and give us what we want or we're not going to show up to work tomorrow and you can't clean all those hotel rooms yourself you can't teach all those kids yourself you can't you know, uh, yeah. direct all those. No matter how much money you have to spend on like union busting ad campaigns, you know, you can't, you know, you can't replace the workers at the end of the day. Right. The and workers are what make the world go around. We definitely agree on just the power of striking. Um, we actually have it in our um, union contracts. Um, there's a clause that where we can't go on strike while we're in the middle of a contract. Um, now that our contracts are expired, it's possible. Um, but one of the things we're trying to negotiate in our contracts is to get rid of that clause because we we feel like if the if the company is just like in terrible violation of the contract then if we should have a right to strike executing it in bad faith basically exactly they're saying well yeah we'll, we'll abide by the contract but then they sort of try to like death by a thousand cuts exactly every little thing they can yeah. they cut corners here cut corners there exactly yeah they spend money on ad campaigns and lawyers yeah yeah no, so if people, if people, local people here are listening to this, you know, they think, well, I'm not staying in a hotel, but how can I learn more? How can I get involved? How can I help? Um, where, where can they go? Uh, where would you point them to? I'll point them to, um, so we have a website for this campaign. It's called onejob.org. Again, that's onejob.org. Onejob.org. Is yes. that the number one or the word one? Word one. So yeah. O-N-E-J-O-B dot O-R-G. Yes. Yes. So um, go on there, find out more information. There's actually a video of Sarah on hey, there okay. just talking yes. about what this campaign means to her. We'll share that on our social media as well when we post this. Episode. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So on there, um, there's also just links on where you could kind of sign up and get travel alerts. So if you are planning to travel um, and may, may stay at a Marriott hotel, um, then you could sign up to receive alerts just in case there might be a dispute at a hotel. Because again, it's not just us here in Hawaii. There's several cities they're involved in this campaign like san francisco boston um oh my gosh now i'm blanking <laughs> Detroit, san diego san diego yes boston yes san francisco san diego yeah 
yeah so um several cities so you know we really want people to just like be aware that there are labor disputes happening at marriott hotels all over and that they should just be mindful to not want to stay at these hotels just in case and and this is not this is no longer Mm -hmm. you know something to remember uh, and this is something you know in our past 100 100 years plus of being dominated by the tourist industry this is Mm -hmm. not jw and mrs marriott who are like getting checks from from the proceeds these are worldwide shareholders uh basically like nameless faceless capitalism at its worst yeah that's exactly true like a lot of you know like the marriott hilton like these companies they're not owned by like the hilton family or the marriott family anymore they're owned by private equity firms and wall street banks um these international people who don't need the money exactly who can afford to let sarah and and, and have a little people who don't care who you are right or what you're going through Mm -hmm. they only care about how do i increase profits how do i decrease expenses Mm -hmm. that's it they don't care about anything else so it it's okay to make them hurt a little bit because they'll try to make you hurt and they won't think twice about it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, um, I mean, that's kind of at the heart of this one job should be enough campaign of like, look like these companies are constantly trying to squeeze workers and all working people really want is one job to be able to live in Hawaii, to be able to raise our families, to be able to retire with dignity. Um, Even though I've never worked in the hotel industry, neither has my own family. I mean, it's a message that really personally resonates with me. Um, My dad was in the Navy for 20 years, but that still wasn't enough to live on. My dad had to also deliver pizzas for Domino's part time. And then my mom was working like when Sarah said she works at 7-Eleven, it's like, oh my gosh, my mom worked at 7-Eleven yeah. for so many years too. When my grandmother came here from Ireland, she cleaned houses. So we're not that far removed from any of it. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I think one thing that really bears repeating for people who listen on the mainland and where I'm from, unions aren't a thing. Alabama, where I grew up, is a right to work state, which means that the state has basically endorsed uh, crushing, them. crushing unions. Yeah. And as a result, people have some of the lowest pay they have uh almost no benefits pensions are unheard of unless you're in the state retirement system uh which now with the public sector union ruling maybe even that'll go away um so it's it's really really tough and i think what people on the mainland need to know that i'm taking away from this is is that you guys are not at local five you're not asking that all of your members drive a ferrari and they have a vacation home in you know uh thailand like what we're saying what you're saying is that we just want people to be able to have a wage that they can live on uh, a way that they can provide for health care or have health care a way that they can have a retirement and that's it like you're not it doesn't seem like Sarah's asking for flying on a private jet Mm -hmm. or to not work and make money. Sarah, uh, Mercedes or BMW? Mm, BMW. Okay, good choice, good choice, good choice, good choice. choice. Sensible. Yeah, I think I just want like everybody out there who's listening to understand that this, you know, we're not asking for everybody to make 500 grand a year. We're just saying like, just pay people a reasonable yeah. wage. And the most, you know, another because your Wall Street private equity guys, yeah. they make a pretty reasonable yeah. wage. Another study came out today, KHNL. Uh, yet another study is saying we're the most expensive state to live in by far. And people just want to be able to you know, have one job, work hard at that one job, and be able to af- afford a normal, dignified life. Not even like buy a home, 
all the time. I mean, that'd be great. But yeah. like at this point, we're just like, can we just afford the rent? Yeah. Can we just like basically can we just meet like maslow's hierarchy of needs like food and shelter and like <laughs> can we just live like a just a normal person yeah yeah right like a normal person who will actually get to have spend time have have the extra yeah. time to spend time with their families yeah. or well you're going too far and... there you don't need <laughs> to spend time with like, your family what, what's the part what's the point of you know standing up for family values if you're never home to raise your family yes that's a good point uh all right so We've asked you, we're done with all the softball questions. Here's the hard hitting questions. What do you guys, what's your favorite restaurant? Ooh, that is a really hard question. You go we first. We ask this to every Everybody, this guest, is a key question. And we have to know. We have, we'll say this is the restaurant recommendation that Sarah and Paula share with us. If you like what they had to say about workers' rights, you're going to like even more what they have to say about where you should go eat. So no pressure. Sarah, you were saying that you go to Las Vegas a fair amount. Uh, what's your favorite place to eat in Las Vegas? The Caesar Palace. Caesar's Palace. Palace. Well, you get. The, I assume you get the Caesar salad. Yes, because they have a huge uh, buffet. Oh, yeah? Smart. Good food. That's, good oh, that's a solid. Yeah. Caesar's Palace. We're always looking for sponsorships. If you'd yeah. like to get in on it, <laughs> contact us, bluewhitebot at gmail.com. I, mean, I don't know where the, I don't know about the market. I mean, I don't, I don't know if Hawaii people really like Las Vegas. I've never heard of Hawaii people going to Las Vegas at yeah. all. <laughs> but that's a, that would be an interesting trend. We should try to start that. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those of you who are planning to go to Vegas, Caesar's yep. settled their union contracts. So hey, there are no hey, labor right. disputes They're, they're okay. We there. can, we can right. tolerate <laughs> My okay, my fine dining, my favorite restaurant. It doesn't have to be um, fine dining. It, it can be, be whatever yeah. you want. Well, now I'm thinking fine dining because uh, my it. my wedding anniversary is actually next week. So we're okay. just talking about what our plans are. Um, three years. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, we're gonna go to High Steakhouse. Yeah. Solid. Have you ever been before? Yes. What do you get there? Um, the steak. Okay. Well, <laughs> if you were gonna say like chicken nuggets, <laughs> yo, dude, some people get chicken fingers <laughs> everywhere they go. I'm just saying, it's it's not uncommon. Um, all right, steak. I've I've never been to Highs. I tried to take Jordan there for our anniversary one time, yeah. and she said no. You should take me for our podcast anniversary. <laughs> I would do that. I'd take you. I'd take you to Highs tonight. Can we wrap this up? <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, ladies. Thank you for joining us. Do you have any other final thoughts? Anything else that you would like to say and and have the the listeners here? Definitely. You know, we're gonna have a lot. It's gonna be a big year for Union, as I said. Um, I don't know exactly what kind of actions will be coming up, but if we are, you know, out on a picket line or in a rally, like, please come join us. Yeah. Um, we throw the best <laughs> rallies and picket lines. It's going to be a really exciting year. Deal. Yeah, I'm in. For Sarah. me, it's, uh, it's scary for me if we cannot get the contract. Yeah. Because it's hard for, for me and my coworker if we don't have a contract. What well, is the, is there a deadline for when the contract has to be agreed by? No. Okay. It could go on for a while. Well, it can go on for years. Um, like I, you know, I mentioned the Kaiser contract fight. That was three years past expiration. But um, of course, our hope is that it's not going to take that long. Yeah. Yes. That the workers will be organized and that we will um, make Marriott come to their senses. And so what happens in the meantime while you don't have a contract are you working under the old contract still as like a good faith thing or can they immediately cut wages and benefits and all that or what so the there no so um workers are still protected they're still union workers of course so they have their basic rights and protections um 
like I said earlier, the no strike clause is um, out. So we are able to do things like go on strike um, or do work stoppage actions. Um, in turn, management, um, you know, we have something in our clauses called like management's rights. Um, that clause is out. So normally when we're in contract, management does have a right to do things like if they want to close a restaurant, they can. Or if they want to, um, you know, add duvet covers on the beds, they can, um, which really upsets the housekeepers, by the way, um, usually. Because it just <laughs> makes it take longer to get it, get it set, right? It's really just another thing. And like, you know, we t- talked it's about busy work. It's busy work. It's just another added thing to yeah. the carts. Makes the carts heavier. And the guests just, don't care. They get the like guests, how many times you be like, "There's no duvet cover." I don't this even. Is, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't even know what a duvet is, and I certainly don't know why it needs to be covered. <laughs> so yes, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if the guests. Yeah. Are, yeah, honestly, really like it. I, 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 I also don't really fully understand what a duvet is. So but duvet is just like a heavy blanket. Heavy, oh, heavy blanket. okay. Yes. Yeah. So just another heavy thing, basically. Yeah, well, you, for these you really need a heavy blanket. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so management can't make those kind of changes anymore when the contracts expire. So that's um, kind of good yeah, because it's great. like, yeah, yeah. One safeguard. Good. Yep. Good. All right. Well, it's Paula Rodellis and Sarah Ramos uh, of Local Five. Thank Ladies, you so- thank you so much. What a pleasure. This is the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Solidarity forever. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Should we do some shout-outs? Let's do some shout-outs! Jesus and Mero uh, is no longer on Viceland, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop ripping them off shamelessly. You think they'll do shout-outs on their live show? I think so. I think they will. It's kind of their thing. Yeah, it was uh, a pretty integral part of their podcast, too. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? It's semi-integral part of ours until we it find is, something yeah. that works a little bit better for our brand. Cultural appropriation is a good thing, after all. It's not cultural appropriate. <laughs> I, Everybody I does shout-outs. I'm just getting in before the criticism. All right. So that's our number one shout out. Our number two shout out, though. I know we said we didn't have any good news, but we sort of fudged a bit. Recently, we were asked to come and speak at uh, the Punahou School's uh, Rising Seniors Social Studies class. And we spoke with a group of young people uh, about how to source media about why uh, media accuracy and sincerity is very important. And we actually also talked with them about the global role of the UN. Yeah. Basically, it was like the funnest day ever. What? Uh, yeah. And who better to talk about uh, fake news and the UN than two globalist cucks like ourselves? I'm telling you. Uh, so that is the first half of the shout out. The second half of the shout out, though, is to a young lady named Haley Silva, a student of the class that we spoke to. Um, who actually did some really cool stuff. We saw her notes uh, that she'd been sketching all sorts of things. And uh, like she sketched the Hamilton logo. She sketched a, we talked about Facebook likes and she sketched a Facebook like finger, which was like, it looked like it was copy and pasted right off the website. And then she also sketched. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it by now. Two sketches that will live in infamy. If you like our show, you've seen it. Digital Ryan and Digital Josh. Yes. And well, right. actually, it was Pencil Ryan and Pencil Josh. And then she sent us digital versions. And so now we have cartoons of ourselves. Haley Silva, thank you so much. The kids, as they say, are all right. Our friend Lynn Manuel Miranda lent me uh, a brief melody um, that he would that he told me I could use. 
Uh, how do these bastard poor boys, chumps who are lawyers and white men, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Pacific and by providence impoverished, no dollars? Talk to who? Students of Miss Moriyama's. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got. Uh, I was- Josh, and, Josh and Ryan are so bad. <laughs> we are waiting for this rap to end (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it was a great time uh Haley silva thank you so much shout Um, out to you Haley. we're eternally in your debt and whatever we can do for you uh you've got friends in us shout out to saint timothy of gainesville he wouldn't do a saint he's a protestant protestants don't believe in saints the the church of england has saints he's but oh you mean like they're like like diet protestants they're not real protestants (laughs) Tebow guaranteed does not believe in saints. He's a, a, a blessed man of good works. Dude, look. Think about Tebow. Say what you want. That guy won games. Yep. He won that was, serious that games. Denver Broncos playoff win against Pittsburgh. That was the best 8-8 eight and eight season I think any football Dude, team has ever had. The, the thing about Tebow, I mean, general yeah. managers have said it. He attracts such a media circus at this point whenever he plays football that he's hard to touch. But the guy won a lot of football games. He has a winning record. And a, you're, like You're telling me... It's not pretty, but it's effective. Yeah. Like, you're going to tell me that you'd rather have Blaine Gabbert playing for your team than Tim Tebow? Like, get the heck out of here. But that said, uh, and I'm not one of those people who's like, it's just because he's a Christian. No, it's because he's a bit of a media circus. Um, But the guy is crushing it in the minors right now. I I wouldn't say he's crushing it. I looked at his stat line. He's doing okay, but he's going to put butts in the seats for the All-Star game. Eastern League, double-A All-Star. I mean, the, with the New York Mets organization, he's doing fine. He's living his dream. He's doing fine for himself. Meanwhile, and, speaking of speaking of uh, shameless and or shameless and shameful NFL GMs and quarterbacks not getting jobs, go on. Pretty sure if Blaine Gabbert is getting a start, I'm pretty sure Colin Kaepernick can still chuck the pigskin around a little bit. Oh my gosh, let's not even get into yeah. that. I mean, well, actually, let's get into a little bit. Basically, NFL owners are all conservative racists. That's all we have to say about that? Not all of them, actually. Some of them aren't. Some of them have been like, if you kneel and they fine you, I'll pay it. I think yeah. it was the Phillies owner, or the, the Eagles owner, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty nice thing to do. He seems like he might be okay. Okay. But yeah, so I think some of them, I think some of them are good. I think I think Arthur Blank, I think he's an OG, actually. Arthur, you know my feelings on Arthur Blank. We've talked about yeah. Atlanta United, fan first pricing. I think he would be okay with it. Arthur Blank's a real dude. He's a real one. Um, what else we got? Shout out to... Uh, friend of the show, Chase Woodson, who is putting on uh, what's called the 300 drive uh, in West Oahu. Basically, he's trying to get 300 backpacks full of school supplies um, and get them into the hands of children who need them. What a good uh, cause. It's a good cause, man. So if you want to go out and participate and be a member of uh, the drive and support, it's Saturday, July 28th. So that's... Uh, Two weeks from tomorrow, which is about what ten days from the day this is this will be released, uh, it's going to be eleven a.m. to three p.m. Uh, out at Aloha Subs of Waianae. That's eighty-seven one seven eight four Farrington Highway in Waianae. Uh, there's be free shave ice, free drinks, free food, and it's all going to you know support youth development and social responsibility. So it's been endorsed by Cedric Gates, who's a House District Rep out there, and. Uh, House District candidate Stacelin Eli. Awesome. So. Keep up the great work. Chase Woodson, shout out to you. Yeah, Chase Woodson, and doing s- a good job, man. S- speaking of why and I, and people doing good things in why and I, shout out to friend of the show, uh, Josiah Korea from 
Tyrell's Angels, who was our host and tour guide extraordinaire when we first went out to Pu'ohonua Owai and I, way back when we first started doing the show, he, this week, completed his last day on active duty in the United States Navy. You, you. We know he'll do great things in the next stage of his life as a civilian, freedom. So, in the naval tradition, we wish him fair winds and following seas. Josiah. boy. Come back on the show, man. We miss you. Come, t- come talk to us. This week. Uh, we also want to shout out a few restaurants. Yes. Mine, Downbeat Diner, little place right on the corner of New Uanu and Hotel Street. Uh, great place to grab a burger. Nice little venue right next door. Get a drink maybe. Go in there. It's open till God knows when. And go in there and have yourself a nice little nice little time. I am going to give a shout out to a place that uh, is uh, not a restaurant per se, but we did go there this week and I very much enjoyed it. It is Bring Your Own Food, B-Y-O-F, B-Y-O-F, uh, as the acronym goes. Uh, that's Beer Lab Hawaii on University, right next to where Bubby's used to be. Um, R.I.P. Bubby's. R.I.P. We uh, we brought <laughs> we brought Popeyes. I'm not sure if Popeyes deserves a restaurant shout out in and of itself. but I ate myself silly. We'll on give them one food. too. Popeyes, shout out to you. Um, basically, Beer Lab... Uh, Nice young local folks brewing nice young local beer. Uh, Trivia every other Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, great location. Reasonable prices. Their popcorn's delicious, made with coconut oil. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, every kind of beer, every kind of flavor, every kind of palate. And if you don't like beer, they have wine too. That's true. Yeah. Beer Lab Hawaii. Light, dark, medium, IPAs, stouts, lagers, Hefeweizen, but all with local flavors, local fruits, uh, local styles. What's not what's not to like? Big fans of Beer Lab. Um, okay, that's that's all it for me. That's all I got too, my friend. We'll try to do better next week. We're always trying to do better, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii. We'll see you soon. Aloha.